You sit back and watch for the bullshit. Because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's You know what's coming. You know what's I'm your host, Brian Simpson, obviously. Who else would I be? Uh, well, we, we got we got one letter, uh, uh, email, I keep saying letters, today. Uh, and it's from Leatherneck45. Leatherneck45, dear Brian, uh, I am sick and tired of the Marine Corps. I've been in for only a year and a half. But I am certain that it is not for me. Myself and one of my platoon mates have decided to try to get out early. What is the best way to get out of the Marine Corps? He is thinking about smoking weed and popping on the piss test on purpose. No, look, let me stop you right there. The best way out of the Marine Corps is to do your contract and finish. That's the fastest and the best way. It's just that simple. Don't, don't do no fuck shit because you don't know how that's going to work out for you. You don't have the same rights as a person that is, you know, a civilian. You know? You, you're under the uniform called the military justice, the UCMJ. And that's, <laughs> it's just not, it's not set up to be in your favor, bro. You think, you know, don't listen to your dumb ass friend. I know people that have tried to do that, you know, and doesn't always work out too well. You know, first of all, look, I've been in your situation. I had a sergeant major pull me to the side. Um, which is, which I was grateful for. It was very rare. Cause, okay. So I was in, I was at WTI, which is like the air wings version of CAX, which is out in the, it's just war games in the desert to keep you sharp or whatever. And, um, if for those of y'all that aren't familiar with the military, a sergeant major is the highest enlisted rank in the military. And I was a Lance Corporal at the time. I was an E3 and, um, it's very rare. For an E3 to be talking to a sergeant major, which is an E8. It's very rare for you to speak directly to a, for a sergeant major to, to have a one-on-one conversation with you. You know, you might hear him speak to the unit as a whole, but very rarely is he talking to you. Um, unless you are in some serious fucking trouble, you know? Uh, so, and I just remember I was on, I was on, on post one night, just on guard duty or something stupid that I hated. And he just came out of the shadows, you know, like two o'clock in the morning, something like that. And, and he, uh, he asked me if I wanted to play chess. And I was like, nah, man, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I didn't say nah, man. Uh, but you know, I was just like, no, Sergeant Major, I, I, you know, have to do my duty and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of gave me this look and then looked at his rank and then looked back at me kind of like, um, I'm in charge of all this, you know, come play chess with me. So I did. And I didn't know shit about chess, but it was better than sitting on post, right? So I did it. So anyway, he proceeded to whoop my ass 
30, 40 times at this chess. And, uh, but during the whole time he was teaching me lessons. Oh, you're moving too fast, son. You move too quick. It's always a better move. Blah, 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 blah. And he got to asking me about, you know, how I felt where, you know, how I felt about my career and where I saw myself and all of this. And I was dead honest. I was just like, I don't want to be here. I'm, I'm over this. It's not for me. Blah, 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 blah. And he told me his story about the same when he was in the same situation. And it was basically the same thing, you know, and, and, you know, long story short, the lesson I gleaned from him was just that, you know, the military is a mold and it doesn't fit everybody. And that's fine. Right. But that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the time that you win. You can't enjoy the good times because I'll tell you one thing. The civilian world ain't that much better. All the things you hate about the Marine Corps. They exist in the in outside the Marine Corps. This is just your first taste of it because this is your first taste of being out on your own, of being out of your mama house and having to deal with just this big heaping pile of bullshit. It's just that the Marine Corps gives you your bullshit, you know, fully caffeinated. Yeah, this, the, the, the real world is kind of like decaf bullshit, but the Marine Corps gives you your bullshit straight up to your face. And... And it's a, it's a, it's a huge dose for some people. And it's, but trust me, there's nothing that is bothering you about the Marine Corps that's not going to bother you about not being in the Marine Corps, except, you know, for like the whole not your freedom thing. Um, but again, the, the best and fastest way to do that is just to do your time and try to enjoy it. Go with the flow, play the game. You have to embrace the whole Marine Corps lifestyle for you to enjoy the Marine Corps. And that would be my first thing. Try to embrace it. Try to embrace it fully. And if you do, if you try to embrace it fully and you don't have a good time, then get out. But if you try to embrace it fully and, 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 uh, and you might find that, that it's exactly for you, you know, but trying to fight it or trying to do little fuck, fuck, sneaky shit, you're just going to fuck your shit up. Then you're going to get out. You know, you're going, first of all, you're going to probably be in the brig. Longer than, you know, past the date that you would have got out if you just done your time anyway. Cause that, I've seen that happen to so many people. Right. Uh, second of all, you're going you, you, so you're going to be in, you're going to be in longer than you anticipated or damn near. Then you're going to get out, realize it's the same ass bullshit out here, but now it's harder because you don't get none of your veteran benefits. All those little advantages you get from being a veteran, those aren't for you. Those aren't yours. You got to go through all this other, other shit to get your discharge upgraded and all this other stuff, you know? So that would be my advice to you. Find out if the Marine Corps really is for you. Cause it might be right. And then, and then secondly, if you, if you really make up your mind that you don't want to be in the Marine Corps, which I did, don't make the mistake. I did have a plan when you get out. You know, you were, you a year and a half in. I'm guessing you want a four year, maybe five year contract. Okay. So that gives you three and a half years to, to, to set yourself up for when you get out. Save your money. Take some college credits. Let's get the ball rolling. You know, your first five years in the Marine Corps is not a career. Okay. That's your, that's your little cushion. That's what it's for. It's a, it's an interview. It's an extended interview. 
is the Marine Corps for you? That's that's your whole first enlistment. And it, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with answering that question with a big fat fucking no. Okay, but it's how you it's how you allow that to manifest that's going to determine, you know, what your experience is like. Because it's still your early twenties, late teens. You know, don't miss out on the opportunity to make those those good friends of a lifetime and. Don't miss out on the opportunity to learn something, see the world, all those little things. There, there are good parts of it. But if you just fight it the whole time, you're just going to be miserable the whole time. You know, and I get it, bro. It's a lot of bullshit. I know. I know. I've been there. But, um, but it's a lot of good things too. And you just, you just got to weather the storm, weather the storms between the good times and get out on your, on your get out date. You know, that's the best way out of the Marine Corps and get some new friends. Don't hang out with that dumb motherfucker. Okay. Cause I mean, look, I did, I did my fair share <laughs> of drugs in the Marine Corps, but I ain't do no drugs with nobody that would get caught on purpose. Fuck is wrong with you. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, hang, hang out with people that are smarter than you, bro. Don't hang out with dummies, please. Okay. Nobody, there should be nobody in your circle that you're scared of, that you don't respect or, uh, or that you don't have something to learn from. Yeah. Get them basic thinking niggas out your circle. Um, moving on. So we we have a common recurring theme now, right? What's been going on the past just it seems like it came out of the blue all this year, but this is something that's been happening forever. Okay. You know, I think this title of this episode is gonna be Mind Your Fucking Business. Mind your business. Okay. The thing I'm talking about is this epidemic sweeping the nation of white folks calling the cops on people of color for little shit, like non-emergency shit, you know? We all know, and I've mentioned it on previous episodes, we all know Barbecue Betty. We all know Barbecue Betty called the cops on those black folks in Oakland uh, because they were using a charcoal grill and not a propane grill. We know barbecue Betty, uh, Becky. We know Permit Patty. Permit Patty called the cops on a little girl that was selling lemonade um, on on her street. She thought she was being too loud. She thought she didn't have a permit. She called the cops. Turns out that lady was had a weed business that she didn't have the proper permits for. There's a little karma. <laughs> then. Um, I don't know what they nicknamed the guy at the swimming pool called the cops on the black family because he didn't recognize them at the swimming pool. You know, poolside Paul or whatever the fuck. Um, and the list goes on. The lady that called, uh, uh, the she called the cops on a young black woman 
at Yale because she saw her sleep in the common area. It was like, do you belong here at Yale? Is it, I'm sorry, is it, are niggas sneaking into Yale to take naps? I don't know. So, you know, and then just recently we had, um, there's a situation in Florida where this guy, a controversy, this guy, uh, this family pulls into a gas station. They're, uh, they park in a handicapped spot illegally. They don't, they're not handicapped. The husband takes the son into the store. White dude gets out of his truck. Now he's not handicapped either. Um, he's very interested in whether they are. He's looking all over their car for placards and what have you. And when he doesn't find any, he starts yelling at the wife. Now the husband comes out of the store, gets to the dude's face, pushes him out, out of his face. Soon as this guy hits the ground, he pulls out his pistol, shoots him in the chest, right? Now, this is Florida, so stand your ground. Now, you're like, Ryan, what does that have to do with those other things? Well, what's the difference? Right? Because, and, and, okay, I'll explain to you why they're the same. The only difference to me, anyway, between that guy, George Zimmerman, Permit Patty, the only difference is that those guys, the Permit Patties and the Barbecue Bettys and the Poolside they just didn't have guns. They weren't in Florida. You know? Let me break it down further for you. See, the problem is a lot of a lot of a lot of white people look at racism like this. A racist is a bad person. And I'm not a bad person, therefore, how can my behavior be racist? Right. So you will do some racist shit, but you don't see yourself as a racist. So now you got to do all these mental gymnastics to try to explain your behavior in a way that doesn't make you look bad. You know, instead of just owning up to it, because and, and that's your you have a misconception about what racism is. Racism is not an event. It is not an occurrence. It is not a type of a certain type of person. It's not a bad person or a good person. Racism is society's racism is society burning this image of what a black person is in your mind that black men are scary are threats right look I'll give you an example listen I some of my closest friends I was the only black person in my unit in the in in the Marine Corps for several years and more importantly I was the first black person a lot of my uh a lot of those people had ever met or had ever known personally you know and a lot and a lot of those people have become very like lifelong friends of mine most of them did not but that's that's neither here nor there the point is um some people would say to me sometimes that you know uh, that I'm not black. That oh well, you're not black, black. Or you, uh, or you're not that. You're not that kind of black. Or you're not, you know. Or I don't see. I don't even see you as black. I don't see your like stuff like that. Now to them, perfectly harmless statements. You know what they were saying to me was, in order for me to be comfortable with you, I have to see you as not black. You know what I mean? 
or but 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 look at that even deeper. What they were really saying was, keep in mind, I'm the first black person that they know. But instead of coming to the conclusion that what they knew about black people was incorrect, their conclusion was that I was not actually a black person or I was not uh, uh, the I was not the full complement of nigga that they <laughs> have come to. The, you understand what I'm saying? So where where does that image of what a nigga is come from if I'm not one? Where does that where is your information coming from? Exactly. The media. Society, what you're taught in schools, what you what you see in movies, what you see on television, that's painting your image of what a black person is. You know, so then when you go into a space that's a public space and, and even that that's happened to me before where uh, I remember when I when I lived in San Diego, it was a sometimes they do these things where like retired cops. They give them. Um, they give them like a car. And they can still like patrol their neighborhoods, even though like they don't have a gun or anything like that. But they still, you know, it's like it's like super neighborhood watch type shit. And I remember one of these one of these cars. It's like an all white car, and they and uh, or maybe it was silver, but but it says it on the side. It's like retired something. Anyway, the point is, um, I I moved into a super white neighborhood as, as far as I could tell. Anyway, um, on the street. And I remember I was standing out out front of my house, you know, pacing, smoking a cigarette, going over bits in my head like comics do. Talk, probably look crazy to somebody from far away because I talk to myself when I'm doing that a lot. But this guy pulled up and asked me, like, yo, who are you? Do you live around here? Now, that is what I'm talking about. Now, what makes you think as a white person that you get to police me? Right? Like, what the fuck in the world gives you the authority to question me? You feel emboldened to do so because I'm other. It it, it doesn't matter that you've never seen me in your neighborhood before. It doesn't matter that you've never seen me in the student area at Yale. It doesn't matter that you've never seen me at the swimming pool. Okay. You don't have the right to stop and question me about a goddamn thing. You know what I mean? But you, unless I'm in your house or on your property or on your neighbor's property, like somewhere you know for sure I'm not supposed to be, then mind your motherfucking business. See, this is, this is something. See, black people don't call the cops for little shit because it's dangerous. Black people and Italians. We don't call the cops for little shit. Cause it's dangerous. You know, it's like <laughs> when you, what, what gives you the authority to stop and question another citizen just cause you've never seen them before? Nothing. And my response to that guy was, do you live around here, motherfucker? And he, and I could see the perplexed look on his face. He did not understand why I was so upset. Cause I'm in front of my house where I live, where I pay rent. It wasn't my house. You know what I'm saying? But like I pay to live around here. And I, and, I, and by that time I had been living around there for about nine months, maybe more, you know, and I'd never seen him before either. But can you imagine how appalled he would have been 
if I had pulled up in front of his house while he was <laughs> while he was walking on his sidewalk and been like, yo, do you live around here? What you doing? He would have looked at me like I was crazy. You understand? What I mean? But he but he was but he couldn't afford me the same. Because I would never do that. I would never do that. You know. And and I and don't get me wrong, I know people that would. I know black people that would probably do something like that. But you know what you know what they sure as hell wouldn't do? Call the police. I'm not calling the police to say somebody dying. Somebody dying. Or like, the, like it's got to be a, some serious shit going on for me to call nine one one and ask for the cops. It got to be some serious shit happening. Definitely not over no goddamn. <laughs> definitely not over no kids selling lemonade. Definitely not over somebody taking a nap in the student lobby. Definitely not <laughs> over. You know, because that's you know, and the, the 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 Florida shooting really bothers me for so many reasons. Mainly, it's that a lot of people watching the video, uh, you know, they say a lot of white people watching the video. <laughs> I'm, I'm as I'm looking on the comments, a lot of it, a lot of those people think the altercation started when the guy got pushed. That's, 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 that's where, that's where the justification comes from in their mind is this guy. Yeah, he felt threatened. He shouldn't have pushed him. To them, that's where the problem started. Just like with the George Zimmerman thing to a lot of people, the issue begins with, Oh yeah, well, he was beating him up. He, he was beating George Zimmerman's ass. That's why he shot him. Right? And it's like, and a lot of black people are like, uh, wait a minute. No, the situation started when this crazy white man was following him, <laughs> asking him questions. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a place I have the right to be, and you're a stranger just questioning me because you think you have some kind of ownership. Over, over the area that the rest of us don't have. You know? Like, what, seriously. The, the, all of these incidents could have been avoided if you mind your motherfucking business. That's what all these incidents have in common. Racism and nosiness. Mind your motherfucking business. And I'm gonna tell you something else. A lot of you, a lot of y'all want your, you want your black friends to, to really, really, you know, to really like you. And you go out of your way to try to prove you're not racist and how many times you voted for Obama and how you don't say the N word or you don't see color and all these things that just end up making your black friends more uncomfortable. And, and what you don't know is the three fastest ways into a black person haunt is for you to have good taste in music, for you to not be racist, and for you to know how to mind your motherfucking business. You know? Seriously.
Mind your business. Yeah, you're right. Maybe, you know, sure. Stand your ground by the letter of the law. When that, when he pushed that ban, that man could have reasonably felt threatened and shot him for that reason. So maybe you could make the argument that if he hadn't pushed him, he wouldn't have got shot. Sure. But couldn't you also make the argument that what the fuck are you doing looking at somebody's plates for handicap tags? Why, why are you being nosy? It ain't none of your motherfucking business whether they got handicap tags or not. Like who, who are you to yell at? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Who are you to yell at a family for pulling to a parking spot real quick? You know, yeah, sure. It was technically illegal, but we all live in this. We all live in the same neighborhood. We not out here fucking with each other over technicalities. Because the only, the only, the only, the only way that that matters that they're parked in a, in a handicapped spot is if a handicapped person pulls in and can't find somewhere to park. And what are the chances of that happening? You know what I mean? I mean, and this guy was not handicapped. It wasn't like his spot, you know. Also, this dude had a reputation for hanging out at that gas station doing that kind of shit. Trying to police the neighborhood. Trying to police the black people. It's like, bro, mind your business. Get a hobby, motherfucker. Mm. Yeah, it, this this kind of this kind of shit pisses me off, man. And and it's like it's like for God's sake, man. It's like you don't own the fucking world. So you know something you something that you don't realize. I think something a lot of people don't realize is that like you know that's what that is what white privilege is. That is what white privilege is. It's not you was born with a million dollars or with a silver spoon in your mouth. It doesn't mean that you didn't have any problems or hard times. It doesn't mean you didn't grow up in poverty or any of that. It just means that the system is not designed to impede you in any way. It's it's that invisible way that the system works for you more often than not. It's It's the reason why you can call the cops over a motherfucker barbecuing with charcoal instead of propane without any fear. Without any fear that that might be too much, a little too far. You know? I mean, it's more than that, but in, it, it, as it pertains to today's shit, that's what it is. And, uh, and the, and the, uh, the lady from Yale, so her name, her name is, uh, Sarah Brash. B-R-A-A-S-C-H. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Brash, Brish, Brash. Uh, she, so after, after that incident at Yale, um, you know, she got put on blast because the black student was recording everything. To, you know, she called the police on her, she fell asleep in the study hall or the common area. Um, and, you know, 
the internet is vicious, man. They fucked her life up. Uh, and she's been, she's been MIA for quite some time. So she can't, she popped back up today on Twitter. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, she says, you can't imagine the pain. All right. You can't imagine the pain of having everything you've worked for your entire life ripped away from you in a matter of moments when you've done absolutely nothing wrong. All I ever wanted to do with my life is help people and make the world a better place. My life is over. I literally had to flee Yale's campus and go into hiding for my safety. And I'm a lifelong and proud human rights and civil rights activist who's devoted her life to social justice. Right. This is that's the white lady that called the cops on that black student. So, do you understand what I'm saying? How how disconnected she is from reality? Because that's exactly what she put that young black girl at risk of is her life being ruined in a matter of moments when she done absolutely nothing wrong. And she doesn't see that. She still thinks she did nothing wrong. I guarantee you one thing. You get zero sympathy from me, bitch. None. Zero. Zilch. You know? I don't feel for you in the least bit. And that's cold. That's cold. I mean, I'm trying to learn to love you. But I need some time. You can't imagine the pain. <laughs> Oh, uh, wow. That is going to be hilarious to me for, for a long time. Huh. And this sort of ties into our next bit, I guess. Uh, our black history tidbit this week is Emmett Till. Emmett Lewis Till. Born in Chicago, July 24th, 1941. Born and raised in Chicago. Uh, he was visiting. He was, he was on summer break in Mississippi. And when he was 14 years old in 1955, he went into a grocery store that was owned by a couple. Um, uh, what was the 20, uh, the, the, one of the couple was a 20 year, 21 year old, uh, white lady. Um, what is her name here? Uh, I'll find it. Anyway, uh, this white woman, uh, oh, Carolyn Bryant. Carolyn Bryant accused Emmett Till of whistling at her, of, of sexual assault, basically. Um, and, uh, uh, three, uh, three days later, her husband and some of his redneck friends, went to Emmett Till's uncle's house, kidnapped a boy, and uh, they beat the living shit out of him, mangled his body, shot, mutilated him, shot him in the head, and dumped him in the river. Uh, uh, they, were, they were acquitted by an all-white jury. And uh, that was in 1955. In 1956, they gave an interview to Look Magazine where they admitted to killing 
uh, Emmett Till, but they were protected by Double Jeopardy. Um, in 2004, the case was officially reopened by the United States Department of Justice. Uh, luckily, you know, when, when he was murdered in uh, 1985, his body was sent back to Chicago. His mama had an open casket funeral, even though he, his body was mangled and disfigured because she wanted she wanted it to be reported. She wanted it to be, get spread around. The, and it worked. He, uh, you know, postmortem. He became a huge symbol uh, after his death in in the civil rights movement, so you know, shout out to his mama, uh, Mamie Carton, for for her foresight. Uh, his his original casket was donated to the Smithsonian Institute, so it's it's displayed now at the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Um, now keep in mind this uh, this Milliman Bryant character, they they were initially acquitted and they remained in in Mississippi. But uh, they got the business from black folks from every which way. They was boycotted, threatened, attacked, humiliated every, you know, every time that the chance came up. Um, uh, their names were Milam, Milam and Bryant. Milam died in 1980. Um, Bryant died in 1994. You know. So both of these motherfuckers was dead in 2004 when the case was officially reopened and they still had the nerve to have a defense for what? I don't know. And even to that, to his dying day, uh, Bryant, the wife of Carolyn Bryant, he still, he still didn't give a fuck. He's quoted as saying Emmett Till is dead. I don't know why he can't just stay dead. You know? Cause I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from, from, um, from some white folks that try to be, that try to like, uh, you know, keep, keep the peace. You know, the, you know, the, the, the so-called, uh, you know, the so-called moderates, the so-called middle ground people, you know, and they say, oh, you know, if you just stop talking about racism all the time, like, why can't we all just be the human race and shit like that? You know, Martin Luther King had a thing to say about about the white moderate. I quote, I must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. God damn, that boy was cold. That boy was cold. You can't put that no better with the, with the English language. Maybe it'll sound sweeter in French. I don't know. You know, listen to what he's saying. You know, that that's what you that's what you're doing when you say when you tell people that are protesting that are blocking traffic. Oh fuck, I wish you would That's what you're saying to those people. Is I or when you tell people to stop talking about racism or stop making things racial that they haven't made racial, by the way, you know, that are think the things are racial and they're just pointing it out. You know, but it makes you uncomfortable. 
You rather have a negative peace. You, you rather have peace without tension than peace with justice. That's what he's saying. You, you'd rather have a peace without tension than a peace with the presence of justice. Just, oh, just everyone calm down. Let's just, you know, you're just making things tense. Just making everyone uncomfortable. You know, so I'm not out here in the streets as much as I, as I'd like to be. But, you know, I don't give a damn if you're inconvenienced by some traffic jam. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if you hated traffic that much, you wouldn't live in L.A. You know, or whatever major city it is you live in. You know, but, but it's like you just... You, you don't want to be inconvenienced. You don't want to be reminded of the past, but it was there and we have never addressed it. You know, all of it, all of the things, the things that I talk about on this podcast, they're omitted from your history books. Think about that. You learned a shitload of things about the forties and the fifties and the sixties when you were in school, but you ain't learned none of this shit. Not this shit right here. And that's that bullshit right there. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you'd like, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, BS Comedian. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Short Wide Neck. Uh, the website will be up very soon if you have any questions, comments, feedback uh, any black history figures you'd like me to research just email Simpson at gmail.com yeah. and thank you for tuning in I ain't talking special teams gotta go motherfucker so I'm sewing up my things see I gotta plug these holes up for the winner and all these rats come in and try to shed my dinner talking they working hard niggas barely called a splinter I'm all up in a and when